I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. The market's already had its say on 2016, and frankly, it's not pretty. So now it's the turn of the central banks to step out into the open. And how have they reacted? Almost in unison they appear to have decided that it's too cold to venture out and they'd rather stay indoors. All that adds up to a very uncertain and nervous start to the year. I'm Roger Blitz and a warm welcome in these chilly times to Hard Currency, the Financial Times pick of the week's major movements and talking points across the FX market. One by one, the central banks have concluded that doing nothing appears to be the best course of action right now. We had last week the Bank of England saying nothing was going to move. European Central Bank has now done this. And the central banks of Brazil, Canada and Russia all roughly saying the same thing, that this is no time for decision making, that oil is the worry, so is China and growth is slow. And they just seem to want to wait for the market mayhem to pass on by. Could they be saying more or do they really have no choice but to say as little as possible? I'm joined this week by Hans Redeker, global head of FX at Morgan Stanley, Hans, welcome. What did you, first of all, make of what Mario Draghi uh, had to say at the ECB meeting? So the ECB asked uh, to look into uh, the decline in uh, inflation expectations. It asked as well to look into the uh, relative increase of the euro. We are all looking into euro-dollar, but uh, what we need to learn, too, is that uh, the euro in trade-weighted terms is uh, much stronger than uh, the European Central Bank uh, would like uh, to see it. Just one example Euro sterling a few months ago was trading near uh, 71. It shot up to 77. That is a good uh, 10% increase. So he's wanted to talk down the... I think that uh, inflation expectations in an environment where commodity prices are falling and you combine that with uh, relative strong performance of the currencies, and of course, import prices are falling sharply. And uh, the risk here is that uh, when you have uh, inflation expectations staying too low for too long, yes. then uh, it can uh, impact uh, broader price indices. Now, uh, when uh, you look at inflation projections and because of base effect, we could actually see a situation ahead of us where European inflation rates for a number of months are going to be in negative territory. Now, that could have a quite paralyzing impact given uh, that we are in an environment of high debt. So what does that so, mean in terms of policy easing? Are we likely to see that happen in March? I think uh, that the risk uh, have, has certainly uh, increased. Uh, he has uh, pointed out uh, that uh, measures are available to go into that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, still that uh, he is... Uh, looking into the currency to help him out. Because when you have oil prices falling as radically as is currently doing, other commodities are following that. And what has made uh, the situation worse since uh, December is that soft commodities are falling all of a sudden too. So in this environment, you wanted to stabilize uh, inflation expectations. How do you do that? So under those circumstances in which we are in, you need to give a very decisive signal on the exchange rate. Now, of course, a lot of others are doing that too, and that puts us into a, a dilemma. Who do you have in mind? Do you mean the Bank of Japan? 
I think that the Bank of Japan is not as aggressive as um, the European Central Bank. The Bank of Japan has suggested that they could ease if circumstances uh, would to press them into ease. But you have heard out of this that uh, the um, BOJ is no longer progressive as it used to be. Mm. So it was progressive in the years 13 and 14, but it is now reactive. So I would not exclude them to ease, but in the case of uh, the BOJ, I see they are pretty relaxed about matters. And um, what is important in uh, Japan is that this economy is uh, in transition. It is in transition to develop more service sector activity. That is quite a successful transition. So what we tend to do in the case of Japan, looking at uh, machine tool orders, we are looking into export orders, and we behave as if this is still an economy mainly driven from the export side. It is slowly changing. When we're speaking to BOJ officials, they will tell you how important it is to develop the service sector to break the deflationary equilibrium. And I think that Japan has done a big progress into that direction. And there's a reason why we at Morgan Stanley started this year with a recommendation which was against the consensus. We said the yen is going to strengthen. Yes, we called uh, risk appetite correctly on the negative side, but we are pointing out other factors too. One of the most important, very often overseen, is that Japan is leading in demographics. Their peak was in 1951, their birth peak was 51. That leads other nations by about 15 years. And their pension fund industry has now a negative cash flow. Okay. And they are invested abroad. That actually means they need to repatriate capital from abroad. So there's the yen appreciating. Or the upside of the coin is EM and various currencies falling like Brazil and Russia. And we saw central banks there perhaps expected to move on rates, but they decided not to. Now, they've been leading the market towards moves. And have they been over-promising? Or, again, is it the right thing for them to do to hold fire at the moment? That, um, that they are, that they have a very uh, certain uh, uh, circumstances uh, which are prevented uh, this move. So, uh, we all know that the uh, IMF forecast for Brazil was in particularly bearish. And, uh, of course, and, uh, when you see that as a central banker, you think twice if it's the right thing uh, to hike interest rates. And I think that the central banks are stepping away from uh, hiking interest rates. They try to have a much more pro-growth strategy, but on the other hand, that actually does remove the anchor yes. from the exchange rate. So you have seen what happened to the Russian ruble, that uh, Russian ruble declined not only because of falling oil prices, this was, of course, as well related to this uh, central bank decision. In the case of Brazil, the reaction there was much more muted, but I fear that the Brazilian real is going to stay under selling pressure going forward. We think it's going to reach 450 against the US dollar. Okay. So against this backdrop, we have the Fed meeting next week. What's going to be weighing on their minds? Because what's been remarkable this year is, about, is, is how the dollar has strengthened without actually really having to do a great deal. It's all been happening on the other side. So what does that mean for the Fed's rate cycle path? What does the strong dollar mean for the U.S. economy? You see divergence all around. Mm. So you have, within the U.S. economy, you have a substantial divergence taking place between the service sector and uh, the manufacturing sector. The manufacturing sector is in recession. And of course, it is uh, reacting to trade and uh, it does react to the U.S. dollar and it does mainly react to global demand deficiency. So that is, because man that is the reason why U.S. manufacturing is performing poorly. Against that, you have a service sector, which is still relatively okay. You have domestic demand, 
at about 2%. So a divergence in, in the economy. But then you have as well parts of the economy in early cycle stage. So when you look at capacity utilization at production and orders, that is early stage. And then you look at some financial indicators like corporate profitability relative to GDP that has peaked and is coming down. Yeah. Then you see the leverage in the corporate sector. It is high. So that is late cycle All stuff. All this is pointing towards... So you have a central bank which is actually really hiking interest rate in an environment which is very unusual, simply because you have late and early cycle stuff in the same economy. And that makes it so vulnerable. It means that the Fed is, at the moment, maybe in a very weak spot. It has hiked interest rates. There is an impact on the market. There is an impact on the US dollar. Emerging markets are weak. And, of course, it has as well to look into domestic stuff on the late cycle indicators. This isn't great, is it? I mean, oh, that is, that what, it, what does that leave Janet Yellen having to say next week? She has to do a very, very good communication exercise because you have now priced in one more rate hike for 16. So now the dots are at four rate hikes, and you have seen what Stanley Fisher had to say on that in this other CNBC interview. But I think that if the Fed wanted to have a significant impact, you wanted to be ahead of the curve. So how do you get ahead of the curve and only one rate hike is priced in? You basically have to say to the market, it's one and done. You really think that's a possibility? No, I, I think it's by far too early to assume right. that. But because I'm thinking it is by far too early to do that step, you will have as well that the pressure has to come out somewhere else. And I think that the pressure is going to come out on two ends. That is a dollar and it is risk appetite. Okay. It's going to be a very, very difficult meeting for them next week. We'll see what transpires out of it. My thanks to Hans Redeker, the global head of FX at Morgan Stanley. Uh, you can keep on top of all the currency news and analysis in the Financial Times on ft.com forward slash markets. Katie Martin will be in this seat next week. Do join her for hard currency then. Goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you might also like to try our Alpha Chat podcast presented by me, Cardiff Garcia where each week FT writers, bloggers, and their invited guests will have a wonky, funny, and occasionally even irreverent chat about topics related to the financial markets and economics. Check it out at ft.com forward slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.